You're listening to BNI, the Australian Story podcast, brought to you by BNI Australia, Australia's largest business referral organisation. For more information how your business can benefit from BNI and to find your local chapter, go to our website at bni.com.au. Now, here are your hosts, Veronica Lizamato and Brent Edwards. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode number 92 of BNI, the Australian Story. My name is Veronica on the Mornington Peninsula, Melbourne, and we have our Executive Director in Melbourne South and also our co-host, of course, with us, Mr. Brent Edwards. Hi, Brent. Hi, Veronica. How are you this week? Well, you know something, the sun's shining, everyone's still dropping around me like flies, obviously, we're, if we're not getting a flu or cold or something else, lurgy that's out there, but life is good, mm. and I just wanted to say a real heartfelt thank you to everyone, um, including BNI Australia, everyone who's been listening and supporting the podcasts, because it is a real privilege to be able to do these podcasts, and it's a privilege to be part of BNI as an organisation, so I just wanted to put that out there today. And I know that you agree with me that we're just so grateful for the opportunity and uh, for the support that we've been given. Why are you smiling? Yeah, you just made me actually think of something yesterday. I was uh, I was out taking uh, Frosty the Superdog for a walk yesterday and I had the headphones in and you know, I usually listen to a range of podcasts and sometimes I still surprise myself when the next one that just automatically comes up is our new episode <laughs> yeah that's right you know we record a podcast i can't believe we've been doing it like two and a half years now with uh, 92 episodes and it still surprises me every now and then so um yeah yeah we we can only do that with the support of everyone who's listening and you know i actually had a um, a beautiful text from lisa gill just uh, an hour or so ago, just um, giving me a shout out and just saying, you know, great job on doing something in particular because you've spoken to another member. And it just reminded me how important it is to lift each other up within BNI. So I would just encourage people to, if there's someone in the BNI organisation, maybe a chapter, maybe it's a leadership team, because it's not the easiest job in the world, especially when you're put in that position. Um, even one of the director consultants, an ambassador, send them a text. Just saying, great job. Just heard about this, or just experienced this, or I noticed you did this. Those little texts make the job and the day seem, you know, so much brighter. So yeah, just wanted oh, to put that out there. It's called recognition. People love to be appreciated, yeah. and um, you know, it doesn't cost anything to send a note of encouragement or a note of congratulations or a note of thank you to someone. Just showing them how much you appreciate them, and and those particular people. Um, they'll they'll think much more highly of you because of it and uh, you'll make them feel good for the day. And, you know, what better gift to give to someone than make them feel good for the day? Absolutely. And also remember, even though that may not be important to you because not everyone thrives on recognition like I do, <laughs> but even though it doesn't mean that much to you, it may just mean a hell of a lot to the person you send it to. So thank you, uh, Lisa Gill, for sending that. You made my day. And, and an executive director noticing me, I mean, just a, this, you know, this member in BNI on the Mornington Peninsula and, you know, being able to be here online with you, Brent, and obviously our guest today, it's a really big deal. So thank you to everyone that makes this a uh, possible opportunity for me and for everyone who supported it. Excellent. 
Excellent. So um, let's get into the interview for today because I'm really excited to have this guest on. I can't believe we've been going two and a half years and we have not had this person on the podcast yet because he has got a wealth of knowledge in BNI and in business and uh, he's someone who I really appreciate his opinions when it comes to things. He also serves to me on the training task force for BNI Australia. So I'd like to introduce um, Bob Greenup, Executive Director of BNI Sydney Central. Uh, good afternoon, Bob, and welcome to BNI the Australian Story podcast for the first time ever. Good afternoon, Brent. Good afternoon, Veronica. Veronica, we're very pleased to be here to help out. Welcome. Now, now um, Bob, you're another one of these what we what we lovingly call crusty old sea dogs <laughs> in the BNI world. Uh, how long in uh, BNI? I've been 14 years in BNI uh, as of this month, actually, uh, beginning of July. Yeah, so 14 year journey and uh, 13 years as an executive director. Wow! And how we like to ask our guests, how did you stumble across this organisation? That's a really interesting question for me. I was retired and I was looking to come out of it. I found retiring boring. Uh, so I was looking for a business. I was wanting to buy another business. So I went to a broker and I said, look, I want a, I want a business that you know, doesn't have any factories or employees or staff or debtors or creditors. I want a simple business. I just got to get out of the house. And uh, he said, well, it doesn't exist. Uh, would you like to work for me as a business broker? I said, oh, I can try that out, you know, just to get me out of the house. And uh, he said, well, you've got to go and network. So I put, signed up as a business broker, went out to networking groups, drove me nuts, frankly. And then one day somebody invited me to a BNI chapter. And I thought, you know what? This is special. This is something different. Joined the chapter. Um, and basically nine months later, an email came around and said it was for sale. <laughs> and when I checked it out, it actually ticked all my boxes. It ticked, ticked up exactly what I was looking for. So uh, it, was, it was just a funny, I'd like to put it out there, uh, the law of attraction, and you attract what you actually ask for. So in this particular case, it's been 13 years later, still here, I obviously found attractive. <laughs> it's a great story. Fantastic story, absolutely. So we've got Bob on today because today we're going to talk about coming up to leadership team changeover. We're going to talk about leadership team positions and we're going to debunk some misconceptions about who should be in the right seats on the bus in the leadership team. And um, getting the right people on the bus on the leadership team is key to successful chapters. And we talk about it a lot these days that um, being I BNI groups need to run a great event. And if you run a great event that people are excited about, they, they want to be a part of, they get energy from, it can be the best meeting of their week, you've got more chance of getting people, A, turning up, members wanting to turn up, members wanting to invite guests, and those guests wanting to be a part of it. So, and those chapters actually do a lot better for the, uh, you know, in thank you for closed business, in referrals, et cetera, there's a lot more energy. So um, it all starts off with obviously the nomination team, which happens around now. And uh, if you're backtracking, we're recording this in, in July, working up towards an October changeover. So um, Bob, tell us a little bit about the nomination committee um, that we have to actually work with before we actually get into that and start okay. picking leadership team people. Absolutely. Uh, the nominations, I, I think we first start off with members need to understand that uh, a BNI chapter leadership team is not a, an election. It is a selection. 
we are running a business, basically, uh, a business that's called a chapter. And you have to have the right skills, the right people, the right mindset in all the various roles in order to be able to actually run that business profitably. So the nominations process, when we ask members to nominate, is to find out what your preference might be if the leadership team, and that includes the director, think that you've got the skill sets and you're ready, you've got the maturity to be able to step into those roles. It is really just a way of reminding you that the BNI model is about participation. It's not about letting other people do all the work. You do have to actually participate on a regular basis in order to run your marketing department. But when it comes to actually choosing the leaders, the outgoing leadership team, the director and the ambassador form what's called the leadership team nominations committee. And they review the candidates that are coming up for the next term. And they work out who might be the best incoming president. And that is the only job they've first got to do. They've got to work out who the leader is going to be. That discussion occurs with that nominations committee, not with the leader, not with the proposed leader, not with the nominee, but with the committee. And if everyone is in agreement that they have the right candidate, they then approach the candidate. And if the candidate accepts it, they join the leadership team nominations committee. So that's an important step. And I've seen chapters make this mistake where they'll literally fill out the whole roster and they say, okay, we've got everybody sorted. We know who's going to be running the jobs in the chapter. It doesn't work like that. When you're a president of a chapter, you're the equivalent of a general manager and the general manager wants to be able to work with a team that they trust and they've got confidence in can deliver all of the different roles that are required for them to be successful as the leader. So you always must make sure you've got the right leader in place first then they have to be in the conversation to make sure that all of the subordinates to that position are the right fit for that personality. So can I just um, clarify that, Bob, there is a little bit of a lag where I am and I don't want to miss anything. So the ambassador and the director consultant are the ones that choose the president? No. 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 The oh, outgoing... I just missed that bit. Okay. So the existing leadership team, that's the president, the vice president and the treasurer, Yes. Together with the chapter director and the ambassador form the nominations committee, the, the leadership team committee selection right. process. And they look at the nomination, the nominees who would be eligible to lead the chapter for the next round. Great. Thank you. Because um, that's what I thought you said, which made perfect sense. But I know some chapters are already involving the membership committee in that. So, that's but that's really a much more succinct way of saying we've got the people in leadership positions already yep. doing this role. Who do we feel is going to be a great person to continue and to help grow and lift the chapter even further? To hand the baton over to, basically. Yeah. 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 Right. Thank you. So one, just want to take things a step back first and talk about, okay, well, a lot of chapters actually send out a interest form so yep. people can fill in to gauge interest of what roles are a part of with a bit of the description for all those particular roles. A lot of chapters come back to me and say, we haven't had anyone fill in for this particular role. And I say to them, the interest form is not definitive. The nomination form is not definitive. We will help choose that person. And someone may not think they're right for it or someone may think that they're, uh, they're not ready for it. Well, let us be the judge of that. And if, if needs be, we can tap that person on the shoulder and say, hey, we've had a talk about this. We think you'd be fantastic for the chapter in this particular role. 
or they may not have even thought that there'd be a candidate for that particular role as well. So that nomination form is not definitive. So that's something else I'd like to debunk here today. Yeah, so look, basically people get confused about that. They go through all the nominations and think, oh, well, we've got three people for visitor hosts and we've got no one for president and all that. It's That's not the exercise. The exercise is to remind members there is an expect, expectation of participation. The nominations committee is going to choose the right people for the job. Now, if it happens to coincide that you want to be the mental coordinator and we think you'd be a great mental coordinator, then you may get selected for that role. But we don't really take a huge degree of reverence to the nominations process that members put in when it comes to choosing the president. We've got to get the right person for the job for that stage of its chapter cycle. And chapters go through different cycles and sometimes they need different personalities and behaviour traits in order to get them through to the next step. Yeah, sorry, we've got a bit of a little audio tap you on the shoulder. Yeah, we've got a bit of an audio lag at your end too, on and off there, Bob, so I apologise to everyone. So um, let's work our way through the roles because one of the um, the things that is really a misconception is the president runs everything. And the president has his his or her hands over everything and runs everything. And we'd like to change that. We need a president who can run a good meeting and a good event. Mm. Uh, not necessarily uh, someone who follows process or, or thinks they can actually run the show because that's not always the right person for that. So it's got to be someone with energy um, with, who can bring their voice up, who can include everyone and make everyone feel like it's the best meeting of the week. So I like to think, in my own theory, and I like to get your comments on this, Bob, I like to think the president's like the ringmaster of the circus and uh, yeah. they they control everything and bring everyone in and, uh, and host the event. And mainly that's their role to run a great event. I agree. In fact, uh, I often say to people, the president's actually the easiest job in the chapter. You get the most visibility. If you're actually a a good, skilled manager, a good, skilled entrepreneur, and you can delegate and you can motivate and inspire an engaged team, your job is a piece of cake because you get lots of visibility, you get lots of credibility, and all you have to do is manage it well. You have to basically run an inspiring event. You've got to be a respected person, somebody that the others look up to, that look to you for leadership. You've got to be able to resonate strongly with the culture that the chapter wishes to create. There's no point going off on your own agenda and going to create something you believe in. You've got to be able to empathise with what the members want for their particular chapter culture. And if you've got that empathy with with the membership and you've got those leadership skills to be able to put on a good event, then you've got a really, look, honestly, probably the best job in the chapter, frankly. If you get the opportunity to be, a, to be chosen as the president, I would embrace it. I would just like to, V's got something to add there, but I'd just like to cover off something there that um, preferably a person has to be comfortable actually standing up and doing the role in front of everyone. Well, and yeah. someone who's not yeah. really comfortable doing that or someone who, who's not really, who, who's reading from a sheet of paper from an agenda is not going to be a great president. So if we're looking at this profile, someone in the D or the I spectrum would be perfect, perfect as a uh, president. Someone a C or an S, not so much. Not saying they can't do it, 
but it's going to either not be done well or that it's going to exhaust them. Yeah, you, you really want uh, an IS, to be honest. So, uh, it's definitely a DI can do it. Uh, depends on what their profile personally like, because we aren't all exactly one or the other or the other. We're a mix of them. So having empathy is critical, but certainly you've got to be, you've really got to uh, thrive on being the centre of attention. If you actually like being the centre of attention and being able to be, as you say, the master of ceremonies for the, for the event, uh, then you'll love the role, love the role. Veronica, I, you had something to Well, just before I just um, just add my thought, which kind of gone out the window now because I've got 10 other thoughts, can you just explain what the DISC is for anyone who's just heard those acronyms and gone, hang on, what's a DI, what's an IS? Oh, what okay. does DISC stand okay. for? Yeah. So DISC, basically, the D part is the dominant personality. These are people who make fast decisions, who are basically highly accountable, very much about getting the job done, just get the job done. An I type is, is called the influencer type, and the influencer type literally loves kind of having fun, having a, a sort of lots of engagement with people, likes to actually be the centre of attention. Well, I don't want to offend the eyes, but they like to be the centre of attention. Uh, they do enjoy being the party animal, so to speak. So they do like to have a good time, very much would love an event, all right? The S types are the people who like to nurture relationships slowly, get to know people, and they'll invest and very empathetic with people. And they'll get to know people at a deep level, very concerned about how other people feel as opposed to walking after themselves. So you'll see a lot of nurses and those sorts of people are actually BS types. And the C type is your uh, accountant, bookkeeper, dot the I's, cross the T's, make sure absolutely every detail is right and just go bananas if not everything is done exactly as it should have been done. So a C type can be a bit of a fun squasher if they're actually getting charged the meeting <laughs> <laughs> um, because you didn't, didn't say the right word or you didn't do this right. So you've got to basically run a good event that people have fun at, right? You do need, there are certain roles within the leadership team where the C types are excellent. They're absolute gems in that type. So, so everyone's got their particular personality characteristics, which actually fit with some of the roles that go on in the BNI chapter. Okay, so let's move on to the next role now, which is vice president. And I like to think the vice president is the company CEO, helping run the business. What would you say about that, Bob? So every business, the way I look at businesses, they've got to have a visionary and they've got to have what's called an integrator. A visionary is somebody who basically looks at where the big picture's going. Where are we taking this group? Where are we taking this business? The integrator is somebody who worries about all the detail and makes sure that all of the pieces are lined up, all the detail is done, so it's in alignment with the visionary's target, okay? If you don't have both the visionary and the integrator in sync, then you'll end up imploding. The, the group won't actually go where it needs to go. So that's one of the reasons we choose the president and get the president to choose the visionary, the vice president, sorry, because the vice president is your integrator. He runs the integrator team. So the vice president is the person who basically is the backbone of the chapter. This person really actually has to have that attention to detail and definitely, and I've seen this go wrong before, they definitely need to be great delegators. One of the problems that we've had in the past with VPs is sometimes they will actually take personal responsibility for everything getting done in the VP role, whether it be com complaints or applications or renewals. They'll, they'll feel like their team isn't doing it properly, so they'll take it over. Big mistake. 
The VP's role is to be an excellent manager of detail and an excellent delegator. So that means giving other people the job and keeping an eye on them doing it correctly and literally supporting them to do it correctly. So oh the my VP God, I've just heard you talking good. about me. Bob, I, I'm actually in the VP role at the moment, and I know Brent knows me well enough, and he, he's seen my disc profile. And one of my issues as the VP, it's not my strength. I'm actually, I'm, I'm well, my disc is high I with an S, but since I've been in VP, it's becoming more D. But I'm definitely someone who... Personally, and that's what just spoke to me now, I personally take responsibility. If I say something's going to get done, it gets done. I'll give it to you, but if you don't yeah. get it done, I'm going to get it done. So, yeah, but you're not enjoying it. Pardon? But, yeah, and <laughs> I'm doing it. So I love to delegate, but you need to get it done. If you say you're going to do it, do it. And if you don't no, do it, what I'm going to do it. What you're not enjoying it. You're not enjoying uh, it. Well, I don't even think about it. I just get it done. I love the fact that it's okay. done. Yeah. You know? okay. I, think, I think, V, you'd be a better president. <laughs> But, I think, yeah, I, think I, so. I know what happened in your group, but um, <laughs> but I love the role. Don't be put off the role, people. It's been a great role, a really good role. Yeah, but so when it um, comes to know, when we're talking about you know people's behaviour profiles, it's what they're naturally good at. Where yeah. and Dr. Ivan Meisner says it all the time: Are you working your wax or your, or your flame? Yeah. And uh, if it's something that suits your behaviour profile, you're working your flame. So mm-hmm. someone in the VP role would be on the task side of the disc spectrum, which is which is D or C's would be, you know, ideal for this. Preferably more on the C's because they're conscientious, they're rule followers, and they they, they make sure everything's everything's done there. I, I should also point out on that disc profile, there is a natural disc profile and there's an adaptive disc profile. Mm. So you have adapted your disc profile to yeah. meet the needs of the demands on your, your job, right? So I had to adapt. Um, my natural disc profile was DC. I got it done and the detail had to be absolutely right. Yeah. And I've had to adapt to be more I and S because I've got to be able to run events I've got to be able to empathise with people. And my disc, my adapted disc profile has changed over the last 13 years of being in being on. So yeah. people can adjust. Yeah, and, and it's more conscious role. of where you need to be as well, um, you know, through all this also. Um, so I'm the same. I've got to, you know, I'll reply to someone via email and I'll just, and I'll just you know, one sentence, everything, uh, okay, it's this and whatever, and I'll go, hang on, turn on the S a little bit. Hi, thanks, thanks for your email. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> then his send, hope everything's okay. And that's actually me consciously saying, hey, don't do what's natural. You've got to actually adapt to this and 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 show a bit of that side. So that's the vice president. Let's look at... Oh, I just want to make one more comment on the vice president's role, if I could, Brent. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the four positions that report to the vice president are really quite key. And I I use a thing called the GWC profile when I'm looking at people in a team. And the GWC stands for G. Do they get it? Do they understand the vision of where this group's going? Do they absolutely get it? And it's it's a subtle difference between people who are doing something and they don't get it and they do get it. The second thing is the W. Do they want it? Do they actually want what the vision is for the chapter? And I'm talking about the membership committee now. And the third thing is, the C is, can they do it? So if they tick the box and they get it, they want it, and they can do it, they are the people critical. They must be the people that are in the membership committee. If they don't tick all three of those boxes, 
you're going to have a dysfunctional membership committee. And one of the problems that you end up with chapters, and this has happened, I've seen this happen too many times, they start compromising on the standards. And one of the things I have to keep on reminding VPs is the lowest standard you accept is the highest standard you can expect. Yeah. So if you're going to have a great chapter, it starts with the membership committee and they've got to fit that GWC model and they've got to have, have good delegation from the VP. Yeah, I love it. GWC model. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay, so let's uh, move on to Secretary Treasurer. So I like to think Secretary Treasurer is be nice of business. They're our company secretary. Yep. Uh, so, so basically keep, keeping, keeping all the books in order and giving transparency about what's happening with the book. So, so basically the members want to know this is their money that you're basically managing in the chapter. And we've had uh, chapters with up to $20,000 in the bank account. So not insignificant sums of money. They do have a responsibility to make sure that the venue is kept on good terms, the bills are paid, that they follow up. One of the, uh, the policies that we've got in our region, I don't know about other regions, but if a member is 30 days or more in arrears on their venue charges, they're unfinancial and can no longer attend the meeting. So we were pretty strict about that. I've had uh, in, in past years, I've had treasurers who've allowed people to drift out for up to eight months in arrears. Wow. <laughs> and it's just unacceptable. So, so the treasurer's yeah. role is to make sure that the books, the debtors, if you like, within the chapter are actually managed and the venue is kept on site. But the other thing that they've got to do is make sure that the, the speakers are introduced in a, an upbeat, in a passionate way. So we're positioning the speakers as somebody who is actually worthy of listening to and, and edifying their contribution to the meeting at that time. Now, I'd like to give a bit of a tip here because secretary treasures over a lot of things, including following up members' dues also. We, we've, uh, we've probably missed that which uh, some people don't, you know, they, they're not comfortable doing, but we are a business and we're providing a service. So that has to be done as part of the roles. But, um, you know, if a secretary treasurer is uncomfortable doing a great um, reading out the bio sheet and introducing the speaker, maybe they can delegate that to someone else, uh, you know, if they're yes, uncomfortable they with that, if they don't feel really, you know, comfortable standing up in front of and, and giving it the energy it requires. So, you know, don't feel free to delegate that part of the role to someone else to get someone you know is going to do it justice. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, on to the membership committee chairs. Now, um, one of the things that's been brought in in recent years, and I, I love this, how we've put membership committee into different roles, into different chairs. And we've got some yeah. older chapters. I don't know if you've got them in your region, but we've got some older chapters that, has, that have not sort of um, adopted this model. They've gone with the old sort of membership committee type form where it was a team of uh, four plus people on the membership committee. But uh, now we have community builder and member engagement, member relations and quality assurance. So we've got people doing different roles. And this is where the vice president delegation comes into it because the vice president is a chair of the uh, membership committee but they delegate these role, the certain roles to certain people. So let's look at um, community builder and member engagement. Who would be the sort of person we'd need for that, Bob? Well, the community builder has got to be somebody who can inspire people to invite and basically get engaged with the chapter. So they've got to be somebody who is actually walking the talk. Uh, they actually have good stats in that area. So that they, when they talk and they give tips and they give advice and they give motivation to the rest of the group, 
they are going to be respected in that particular area. There's no point getting up there and actually uh, promoting the growth of the chapter if you're not contributing even at the most basic level. So certainly they have to be somebody who's proven got proven success in that area. The other one you mentioned was the the second one was the member engagement. Member engagement. This is somebody who's got good empathy, somebody who really can actually relate from the other person's point of view. Where are they coming from? What are their challenges? What sort of issues may be coming up in their lives that we need to be cognizant of, that we can help them through? So it's about making sure that people are identified and recognised for as individuals, I suppose. That's probably the best way I can put it. If you treat everybody like a number or just a box in the, in the, in the, in the chart of organisation chart, uh, you're not going to get high retention. You're not going to get high engagement. So you want people who can basically uh, really connect on a personal level and really listen, listen to what's going on with members' lives and where they are in their particular all, if you've got a 30-member chapter, you've got 30 different journeys going on. And, and as each person comes up for renewal, as they're approaching that you know, five to three to five months out, you want to be aware of what's going on in their life. So member engagement, I think, uh, is really all about nurturing that relationship and making sure that everyone feels that they're respected as an individual. Okay. And the next chair is member relations. So I like to think this is someone who... Um, can negotiate or mediate between members, and that usually comes in if we've got an issue, which sometimes we're not going to sh- um, not sugarcoat it. Um, you know, sometimes that can happen within a chapter, and there's people who need to actually help sort that out. So you need people in that role who have got a very cool, calm, objective demeanour. Yeah. Oh, who right. don't have any biases, so they are seen by the chapter as being very fair-minded, and they don't get emotional. Uh, now, that's hard for many of us, but they, they really have to see emotion as a, as a weakness, and so they don't do that. Uh, they literally just consider the facts, and they navigate it through things in a cool, calm manner. If they, uh, if they start uh, being a little bit too emotional about things and start taking kind of uh, personal views or sides, on a conflict that may come up in a, in a group between a couple of members, uh, then that's never going to play out well. They've got to be seen as being somebody uh, that they can be, they're approachable and they can moderate without, without feeling that uh, they're going to take literally um, take an emotional perspective on somebody else's, somebody's side. Can I just make a, uh, just a quick addition to that too? I think it's important, for example, if you've got a bookkeeper in the chapter and they put their hand up for that role, you might find some of those hard conversations are going to be with the clients because often in, the bookkeeper is doing the books for a number of people in the chapter. So, you know, conflict of interest, not wanting to go and have a hard conversation with someone mm-hmm. because it may impact you on your own business. Think about that before you put someone in that role or you put your hand up for that role. Yeah. Good point, Veronica. Excellent. And the last uh, one is quality up, assurance. Actually. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Sorry. And the last one is quality assurance. So these are the people who actually make sure we're letting the right people into the room. Yep. Yeah. So, so as I said before, the lowest standard you accept is the highest standard you can expect. So, so you definitely want to be conscious of the conversations you're having right from the visitor hosting step all the way through and the quality assurance uh, person who's basically you know, looking through the applications of people coming through, making sure the right expectations are being set. You, you are not there to just recruit numbers into a chapter. 
you were there to bring bring up the tone of the chapter and make sure you maintain the minimum standard of the culture you want in your chapter. Certainly you see chapters slipping into the mistake of, oh, we need more members, we need another two or three. Let's just take them on, take them on, take them on. But you've got to the more the more you actually compromise that, the more you're going to damage the chapter long term. So the quality assurance person definitely has to have that GWC mindset. They have to understand the big picture and understand what you're trying to achieve as a group. So uh, that sort of person probably needs to be more the C type, uh, somebody who's really looking at the detail to make sure that that conversation's right. Now, you could put a salesperson in that role and you'll get anybody, uh, but you actually need somebody who takes that, that the D or the C type personalities where they actually want the right things done and they want it done correctly. Uh, they are more likely to be the QA type member, yeah. the quality assurance member. Than some of the other personalities. Yeah, someone who's it, example, the, really diligent in that role. Yeah. Um, and between them two, the uh, seven-month review is an important part of what those membership committees uh, do, and they can delegate that between each other through that as well. I think a really important thing on the membership committee to take into account is they really need to walk the talk. So yes. people sitting on your membership committee have to be the high performers in your chapter. They will not take tasks to a member who is low in the accountability or low in the traffic lights if yeah. they are themselves. It won't get done. So um, do not put a low performer on the membership committee. It needs to be the best of the best in your chapter, uh, running the show and controlling who get, who comes in and who stays, etc. Yep. So we're on the visitor hosts now, and uh, I like to think that they're the welcoming party or the front of house. Uh, for yeah. our chapters, uh, this is a this is a place where the S types shine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the S type personalities, the people who like to nurture relationships, who are literally like strong empathy, strong connectivity. Uh, they really do identify with someone's discomfort. For example, if they're rolling up and they're not sure about what they've walked into, all of those sorts of things. The S is going to totally tune into that. Totally. Uh, the C-types, sorry, the, yeah, the C-types, the D-types won't pick that up. Uh, the S-types will be totally in tune with it and they'll make that person feel very, very comfortable very, very quickly. So absolutely. And by the way, just uh, as a point of reference, 69% of the population are S-types. Yeah. So we do have a high proportion of these people generally in our chapters than what you would actually see in the other types. So there's an ample uh, quantity of people who actually have that nurturing kind of attitude in our community. Can I? It's it's probably not a surprise. A job, by the way. Not a surprise of anyone who knows me that I, I'm generally always a visitor host. I when I first started in BNI, you kind of take that role for granted, and I think a lot of us make the mistake in chapters of putting people as visitor hosts because it's kind of a low level job. And I oh, will just put that person in there. We just need extra bodies. The visitor host is one of the most important. Not a low level job. You don't get a second. I know it's absolutely not. But I think sometimes the mentality is we just need bodies at the front door to welcome people. If you have the wrong people, you don't get a second chance yeah. at making a good first impression. And if someone comes in, and as you've spoken about many times, Brent, they already might be below zero in their BNI experience. Yeah. They're coming back for a meeting and then they get a, they get a, um, confronted with people who are just so happy to see them chirpy at seven o'clock in the morning or whatever time your meeting is, want to make them feel really, really welcome and even follow them up with a phone call afterwards, they, they are doing a massive job for the chapter. So don't just put in anyone in those roles. 
Make yeah. sure that those people really want to be in those roles and are comfortable in those roles and turn up early. Don't put people who turn up at one minute before the meeting as a visitor host. They're not going to be doing the chapter any justice yeah, in terms 100%. of the first impression. Yeah. And, and this I is really love visitor hosts. They're really important. Yeah, this is one of those roles that B and I sort of stumbled across as well <laughs> that one of the chapters uh, was doing early on that Dr. Ivan Meiser didn't even know and he went to check it out and then they actually made it as part of the as part of what we do, what we did because the chapter was having great success with it. So well, they um, doubled, they one, doubled in size in 12 months, remember. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the um one of the top tips for uh new leadership teams is when you pick a visitor host team, pick a visitor host coordinator who coordinates that team and moves people around because then they've got control of what needs to be done and they're making sure the roles are getting done. They're making sure people are doing different. Some people are standing at the front. Some people are standing at the front of the venue directing people in if it's hard to find. Uh, some people are uh, meters, some people are introducers and some people do the visitor orientation as well. Uh, so there's a lot of different roles in there. So pick a visitor host coordinator, give them the responsibility, and they will organise their visitor host team. So that's a top yeah. tip from uh, me today. So let's move on to the education coordinator. I like to think they are the influencer for the chapter. Yeah, so the education person has to be immersed in personal development, personal growth, and often we actually use the education spot to groom a new president down the track. So when people actually go through the education journey, they learn a lot that they didn't know about how to actually effectively run a networking group, a BNI group. So it's a great preparation for more senior roles down, down the journey. So the thing about education is that adults don't like to be lectured, particularly entrepreneurs don't like to be lectured. The best education coordinator is somebody who's got a bit of a creative flair for making education fun. If they can take the, the essence of an education piece and make something fun out of it, that will be the most effective education coordinator you'll ever get. Uh, there was actually a great podcast uh, that Ivan's done with an education coordinator, <laughs> uh, dresses up in cowboy suits and all sorts of stuff when she does the education segment. And it's uh, apparently everyone looks forward to the education piece in her chapter. So anything you can do to actually make the education piece lively, engaging and fun is going to make the education point sink into the membership. And that's the point of the whole thing, right? It's about getting them to go away with a change behavior, or some sort of insight that we're just going to make the chapter better. We've Absolutely. got a fantastic education coordinator in our chapter, Kevin Syrup. He's a very talented singer and does a lot of amateur theater. Um, and he is actually really good fun. He's, he's beautifully spoken, but he also really takes it very personally. He's prepared every single week. And, um, you know, even though sometimes people are kind of glazed over when they hear the education piece, he is completely present and he's completely engaged. And, and he becomes very engaging because of that. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Keep Great suggestion. Well. Great suggestion there. And if it's done well, you can really control the narrative in the chapter. Yep as well with the education coordinator. Now we'll move on to go for green coordinator, which is if you're listening to this on being business builder or outside Australia, this is an, an Australian role that you won't see outside of Australia. A lot of people probably don't know that it was invented by Australia. We've added it to what we do. And I like to think they're the motivator for the chapter. Absolutely. Uh, I've actually got a funny story there. I had a, I had a chapter, uh, I had a chapter, that had 60% of the members in the red. 
Wow. And we've got a new go for green coordinator. And as of last month, there's not one single member in the red. Unbelievable. Who is he? <laughs> the job for the go for green coordinator is to find the little tips and tricks that will actually inspire people to do the little things. And, and to be frank, to be in the green is not hard in BNI. It's not a massive hurdle. We have minimum KPIs that represent 100 points out of 100 if you do all the minimum that you signed up for when you signed the application form. To be in the green means 70% of that. To be in the yellow is 50% of that, right? So we're talking about a reasonably low benchmark, so it's not that hard. So the go for green coordinator's role is to unpack where somebody's slipping and give them tips and tricks on how to actually move it up. Now, what this particular chapter did, um, they they actually... uh, the very early part when they were still 50, 60% in the red, they opened up a meeting with the change of leadership team and everybody who was in the green or the yellow got a green lolly or a yellow lolly. Oh, and I love that. Who wasn't in, I love that's it. And any, anybody wasn't in the, in the, uh, the green or the yellow didn't get a lolly from the beginning. Of the <laughs> so it was a fun way, a fun way of highlighting yeah. that there need to be improvement. A couple of months later, I go to the chapter and they had two roles of streamers. One was green and one was yellow. And they held on to one end of the streamer, the, the, uh, the yellow streamer, and they threw it around the room to each member that was in the yellow. And they passed it to the next member and the next member and the next member. So you think of the ball of yarn stimulant, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they did the same thing with the green streamer. So the entire room, there were only three people left in the chapter in the red at this stage. The room is zigzagged with green and yellow, and there were three people who didn't have anything to hang on to. Yeah. The next month, they were in the green. Yeah. That's so powerful because I think um, we're even having issues across the region too where a lot of people don't want to show the traffic lights because they feel like it's oh, almost no. shaming. But it's actually not. It's giving everyone an opportunity to take ownership of where they are and ask themselves, am I happy with where I'm at or do I want to be somewhere different? So what are your thoughts on that, Brent and Bob? Yeah, well, well it's gamification. And the gamification in B&I, it turns B&I into a bit of a game. And, and, you know, if you can work your way up the ladder in the game to be green in the traffic lights, you not only win by being green in the traffic lights, you'll win by getting more business. And, um, you know, when you make things a fun competition between people, people get engaged and competitive people who are entrepreneurs they love competition against people. And, you know, some people, um, they won't share the traffic lights because they're, they're worried about, you know, the lowest common denominator getting offended by it. Well, you know what? We're in business. Um, you need to actually hit those KPIs if you want return out of this. So then people need to know where they stand. I'm going to be even more brutal than that. So basically, oh, no. <laughs> bad cop, okay. Okay. So I'm a member of a chapter, let's say. And I'm in the green. I've got limited time. I'm a successful business person. I've got a certain number of hours a week I've got to spend with people. Am I going to take a priority and invest in people in the red or the grey? I'm going to invest in winners, people who are committed to the process, people who are invested in playing the game at my level. I'm not going to invest in people who are not playing that level of game. I don't want to play with junior players. I want to play with senior players. Yeah. I want to play with professionals. So if I'm, if I'm in the red, don't expect to attract the kind of players to play with you that you might want to play with if you were actually in the green or basically looking to grow your business. You are literally damaging your profile and you're damaging your attractiveness. 
It is in your interests to play at the professional level. If you want to play at a junior level, you need to rethink what you're doing. Tell you something, even as a business owner, that is fantastic advice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely fantastic advice. Yeah. I mean, people think you just put your business out there and someone will see it and maybe buy your services, but it's not about competing against the others. It's being so far up here that you're just the first person that people do business with. Yeah, they yeah. want to be they want to hang out with you because you play yeah. the game at a professional love level. Absolutely yeah. love it. Love it. Great tip. So let's move on to the growth coordinator. And I like to think that is the event management department, but a lot of people uh, think they did do these party planners within, (laughs) but um, they're all about growth. And it's not just the social functions. It's all about organising stack days, visitor days, et cetera. Yeah, look, um, members don't necessarily love doing stack days and visitor days because it's work, but you're here to grow a network, folks. You're here to grow your business. You're here to get exposure. And the growth coordinator brings focus on that particular element of your business chapter, of your marketing group. So they they should be identifying where where the gaps and the context fears are, making sure that the chapter's constantly focusing on the balanced diversification of a chapter and that they're plugging the holes in the chapter to make sure that the chapter itself is getting as much opportunity to pass every referral through as many hands as possible and it's not slipping through the fingers. That The hot potato concept, if you like, that sometimes some members may have heard of or seen in the workshop. I love you, that. It's one of my favourite things that Brent does oh, when he comes to a meeting. But it's very true. Potato. I love it. You need to do it more. The first time I came to a B&I meeting and you did the hot potato, it was 12 years ago, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it since. Bring back the hot potato. Yeah, we ended up with you, buddy, for all this time. Just the hot potatoes flying around. You had me at the hot potato. Hey, the sorry, trouble, sorry. So the trouble. So the trouble is that when a chapter's basically got someone missing in that hot potato pass, opportunity's gone, and the circuit's broken, and then other people are missing out. So the growth coordinator's role is to make sure they're constantly looking at the gaps. And what can we do? Whether it be stack days, visit days, whatever we're doing, uh, or even coaching on on like we've got a lot of members that allows you to inviting, <laughs> helping them get some assistance, coaching, training on how they can invite so that they can assist in the growth of the chapter. It's not just about putting on a visit today or stack day. It's about finding the gaps also in the membership who are struggling to actually reach out and actually connect with people. All right. Oh, excellent. So the last one we're going to cover off today is a mentor coordinator, and I think they are the head of the member retention team. Yep. Yeah, totally. The mentor coordinator, again, needs to be a great delegator. A bit like the vice president role, they really do need to get the GWC. They get it, they want it, and they can do it. Uh, Because honestly, if you've got a mentor coordinator that doesn't understand the importance of their role, and some mentor coordinators don't, let me tell you, if they don't understand how critical it is to get that process right, to make sure that people feel comfortable having come into the process and are mentored through success in the process, that is critical to both those people getting early success and obviously setting them up for renewal and giving the rest of the members a good return on the investment that that relationship represents. So the mentor coordinator is a very, very important role. That's the precursor to avoiding membership committee issues. <laughs> if you've got a great mentor coordinator, they will actually head off issues before they get to a membership committee, whether there's a renewal issue or a conflict issue or whatever, right? So, 
has to be a good delegator because you've got eight different mentors that should be in a chapter covering eight different topics. And it's a bit of a challenge trying to make sure that you've actually got the right people literally coaching on each one of those topics. When they set up their mentor team, each member of that mentor team has to be be respected in the topic they're coaching in. Uh, There's no point getting somebody to coach on one-to-ones if they do them badly. They don't ever prepare. They don't actually look for any outcomes out of a one-to-one, things like that. So making sure that the mentors, their, their profile matches the performance of the mentoring topic and then making sure that they monitor that the mentors are actually doing what they're asked to do because it is done a little bit out of sight. So you don't necessarily know it's being done well. But checking in, like, like I, I hold um, new member onboardings every month and I ask them, who's your mentor coordinator? And I will get the odd one saying, oh, I don't know. I'm not too sure who it is. So and I, I literally cross-examine them to find out how the mentoring is going. And I would not say scoring 100 out of 100. So there's definitely opportunities for improvement in that role. Yep, absolutely. So uh, our next steps on from this, obviously, is if you're taking up a role, the really important thing is to be trained for that role. Uh, we like to say... Um, you wouldn't hop on to a uh, 747 uh, and sit there and <laughs> expect the pilot not to be trained in how to uh, drive it and take it off. And it's the same, you wouldn't buy a, B&I, a seat in the BNI group without the leaders being trained. So um, our training requirements in Australia for these particular roles is a, um, a doing the allocated course on BNI Business Builder that's allocated for your particular role. Then we have our our practical Zoom sessions that we run uh, four times during the uh, month of September coming up. And then usually the um, the region will put on some re- regional get-together for certain things that are regional-centric in what we do. And then obviously there's a, there's a handover meeting with the old team moving into it. So really critical to have um, the best trained teams because leadership, uh, being our leadership with the best trained teams, funny enough, make more money. And uh, by and large, that's what majority of people join BNI for. So as uh, Jim Collins in Good to Great says, get the right people in the right seats on the right bus. And uh, that's key to actually getting this done. I want to be one more brutal statement here about this particular thing on training. (laughs) So excuse me if I offend anybody. But look, effectively, when you get one of these roles, it's an opportunity for you to build your personal credibility to build your personal profile, whether it be a visitor, host, a treasurer, whatever it might be, it's your opportunity as a business person to be seen in a broader light and in a better light. Why would you take the risk of not knowing how to do the job properly and put yourself in the spotlight to have your profile amplified in a bad way? It just doesn't make any sense. We're giving you the opportunity to grow your skill set as a professional. We're giving you the opportunity to grow your visibility as a professional. Take advantage of the training and make sure you really do amplify it in the right way and you don't leave money on the table by damaging your reputation. Yeah, you're kind of right. You know, I look at people who do leadership team roles really well and I've got a lot more respect for them as a business person because I, I can Absolutely. see... I can see their professionalism shining through. I can see they're committed and I can see their diligence as well. And it's, and it's absolutely a great point, Bob. Just before we wrap things up today, uh, we always ask our guests, what is their tip for a member to achieve success 
within BNI. So I know you've got something you'd like to share with us. Yeah, look, my my view is that uh, if you want to be successful in BNI, you've got to immerse yourself in it. Uh, pe- people say, oh, I do BNI four hours a week or two hours a week. I think that's such an incorrect mindset. If you take a half-hearted attitude to BNI, it's a way of doing business. It's not something you do. If you take a half-hearted attitude, you're going to get negligible results. BNI members thrive when they demonstrate commitment and accountability to the culture that goes on in a BNI chapter. If you treat your group as you would your best client, it will reciprocate. I still get members saying, oh, I can't make the meeting because I've got a client meeting. And I think, what are you thinking? Really? You've got 20, 30 or 40 people in this room who are potentially motivated and activated if you do the right thing to find you clients and you're going to exchange one client for deactivating 20, 30 or 40 other referral partners who basically think, oh, I didn't make the meeting today. I'll just step back one, take one step back from that particular relationship. I just think it's just a silly, silly notion. Immersion, commitment, accountability, walk your talk, you'll get the results. Why would you book in a client at the time of a BNI meeting if you've got your BNI meetings planned out for the year already? It definitely comes back to um, what Bob was saying at the very beginning is that the standard that you walk past is what you accept, so you can't expect something higher than that. I, I took on a leadership role and I always take on a role because I am absolutely passionate that I want to be part of the growth and the great thing about BNI because I want to be a member who's really proud to be part of this chapter. I am, it's a privilege for me to be a part of this organisation. I know some people go, oh, come on, it's just BNI, but it's actually not because BNI is responsible for me getting through the pandemic, having the relationship that I've got, being able to pick up a phone and make a call and ask somebody for anything anywhere across the world. And I have done it. So it's very important to me in my life and I take it very personally. So if you take on a role, I hope after listening to this podcast, you're feeling drawn to a role and you're also being repelled from a role because you will know straight away, um, and this has been an unbelievable podcast, probably my favourite to date, Bob uh, and Brent, because I've got so much clarity and information around it. Uh, I know the roles I'm really suited for and I also know the roles that I haven't been suited for. And I'm sitting here now going, I would love to do that, I'd love to do that. There's no way I'm suited for that. gives me a whole sense of clarity around it. Be proud of the chapter that you're in. If you've got a problem, be part of the solution and step into a leadership role. Stop bitching, whinging and moaning about it. (laughs) Step up into a role and say, you know something, I'm going to be part of this big vision. Find someone who shares it, put them at the front of the room and then let's all get on board because you're holding everyone back if you're just in a role for the sake of it or you're not stepping up and you're just talking about things you don't like. No, sorry, that's my brutal part for the, I just get a bit frustrated because I think we've got every opportunity, every resource, everything we need to do to be great and this great organisation is presented to us. I, I tell you what, this is this is the longest podcast ever. <laughs> We're on to one CEU. I can see Steve looking at his watch going, I'm on overtime now. Um, Bob Greenup from uh, Executive Director from BNI Sydney Central, always great to hear your thoughts on BNI. Thank you very much today for joining us on BNI, the Australian Story podcast. In my pleasure to share my thoughts. Thanks very Thank much you. for having me, Brent Thank and Veronica. You. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, Bob.
V, um, and apologise, Bob's, I think, has got a bit of lag at his end where he is, and uh, it wasn't ideal where he had to actually call in for, but um, I think we got the message um, across quite well by the sounds of it. And okay, I think so that... Uh, so the audio worked okay? The audio worked okay? Is it going to be all right? No. We're, we're, we're good. We're just wrapping up there. But, uh, yeah, we got, yeah. we got the message. You had a bit of a... Uh, you had a bit of a, a little bit of a lag here and there, but that that was okay. We got it through. I think it's, uh, it's, a, great, were okay. it, it's a great podcast. Please share it with uh, your chapter before, or even if you sent out nomination forms already, like we have in our chapter, share it with the chapter members again so they can get some real clarity around it. Uh, and maybe, Brent, this will help us getting to stop getting the lastminute.coms where we're finding it really hard to find people to stand into roles. Maybe we'll have people with more clarity now going, yeah, you know something, I'd love to do that role. It's a real role. There's a there's a why behind it that's really important and resonates with me. Yeah, absolutely. And that probably leaves uh, leads me to my tip for this week. And I've got a ripper that will actually suit exactly what we're talking about. So my tip for this week is if it's to be, it's up to me. So if something's not to your liking in your chapter, now is the time you can influence that by putting your hand up and being a part of the leadership team when they change over in October. So, you know, instead of um, moaning about something to your mates within the chapter or behind the scenes or undermining people, put your hand up, serve, and, you know, influence yourself to get the chapter where you think it should be. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Absolutely. It's just been a great podcast. Mm. I hope everyone gets as much value out of it as I did today. Steve, our podcast producer, you always make sure everything runs smoothly. You might have a little bit of editing to do today, but it's always nice to see your face. And I'm even noticing that you're starting to get B&I. You've listened to enough of these podcasts now that we might actually get you as a member one day. I'm working on it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Thank you to uh, Bob. And to Brent, as always, yeah, we'll such a great experience. I think so. And we'll look forward to, uh, to being with you again for the next Australian Story podcast. Yeah.